You're listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, brought to you by the Raven Creek Social Club, where we talk about faith and other oddities. For questions, comments, or to be part of the conversation, join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find us at Raven Creek SC. Now for your hosts, Emily Dixon and Nathan Underwood. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. We are still in the studio, still in Judges. We just lost Samson. To the Philistines. To the Philistines. Kind of to himself. Yeah, I think more to himself is accurate. And uh, so we're going to kind of wrap up Samson a little bit. I think he had some stuff on uh, Hercules and Jesus. Oh, well, I'm not going to go with the Hercules stuff today. Uh, I'm actually looking at the Jesus-Samson parallels because when I started looking at this and kind of, you know, seeing what other people had written and kind of, I always go to Google and I pull up the most popular article to see what people are actually reading. Mm-hmm. and. There are a lot of defenses for... You know you're contributing to their clicks by doing that. I, I know, and I haven't figured out a way to make that stop and still get the information <laughs> that I need. So, because so often what we read online, it, well, almost anything we hear about the Bible really is somebody's interpretation. Yeah, and whatever you're hearing here, somebody's are, interpretation. Exactly, exactly. And, you know... The things that I'm seeing online are things that we want to hear a lot of times is what gets the most popular votes or clicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we, we like, you know, we like things that are pretty and make sense. We don't like things in the Bible that force us to really wrestle with what's going on. And I think Samson's story is a prime example. And so I wanted to address some of the things that are being said. I want to talk about why certain viewpoints might be flawed and mm-hmm. why we shouldn't just buy into something because it sounds good. Because, you know, you can take anything out of the Bible and make it sound good if you mm-hmm. try hard enough. Yeah. Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow we die. Well, <laughs> yeah. no, you leave that part out. <laughs> just just right. eat, drink, and be merry. Live, laugh, love. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> wow, I hadn't put that together. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's not great theology. So even though it's in the Bible, uh, the eat, drink and be merry. So what we want to do is to take some of these themes apart. And so if you feel like it's kind of repetitive, it it is in the sense that we're going to be talking about Samson's story in a much more abbreviated way. But I want to do this at this point because I didn't want us to forget the things that we've just covered over the past few weeks. So we're just going to, we're going to jump in with the birth and we'll go through the death and we're going to look at different high points. Okay. And now I didn't go through and, and do this. You did all the legwork on this. So yeah, I'm just going to let you take it. And well, I mean, this is generally what we do. You yeah. kind of take it and I'll, I'll let you know if I have any questions or. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you're going to have some thoughts. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. No, I have faith I in mean, that. I've now, had very many throughout most of my life. I'd hate for it to just stop. <laughs> right now. Yeah. And some of the thoughts are worth entertaining. So anyway, uh, so we start out with this miraculous birth. And I think right off the bat, we, it's hard to miss this parallel. We've got an angel arriving to a woman, mm-hmm. which is the first time that an angel has arrived to a woman to announce a birth. So obviously this connects very well with Mary. We don't have to make a big stretch there. Um, both women were unable to have children. Manoak's wife, because she's barren. Mary, because, because she's, she's a virgin. A virgin. Yeah. So um, we also have this 
their purposes are explained in the birth announcement. And, you know, Samson's going to be a Nazarite and he's going to begin to deliver the, the Israelites from the Philistines. Mm-hmm. So Jesus, the angel tells Mary, and this is in Luke, says that he's going to be great. He's going to be the son of the most high. He's going to be given the throne of David and he's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, because of Samson's divine birth or quasi-divine birth, he's often referred to in Jewish tradition as being a son of God, not the literal son of God as Jesus is, but very much metaphorically and functioning as a quasi-divine being throughout right. his life because of this divine birth narrative. And we even have the other point of connection is they're going to begin. Now, mm. you know, I know some people are going, what do you mean begin? Because with Jesus, that beginning is in this concept known as already, not yet. Sure. And so for those of you unfamiliar with the already, not yet idea, it's that Jesus accomplished everything on the cross and through his resurrection. Mm-hmm. It's done. It's finished. He says so. Mm. But the fulfillment of the, prof- of the promises to us are not yet. Right. We, we aren't living in those glorified bodies. We aren't with God in person right now. We, we are already saved, but the, the fulfillment of that salvation is somewhere in our future. Right. So we see that beginning element is also very much present with Jesus as it was with Samson. And the other parallel that we have is we have a birth narrative, and then we have the the story just kind of stops and it resumes when they're adults. Right. So now we do have... We do have Jesus at 12. Yeah, we got the little interlude in Luke with Jesus at 12. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, that's it. But the, the interlude with Jesus uh, actually concludes with, this is Luke two fifty two, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Right. Okay. So with Samson, we have the... Uh, and the young men grew, and the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. No, go ahead. Different words, but the same feel. Sure. So we there again a, a connection. So we are being set up with some parallels. I'm not negating that they're there. Right. But we never have. And I thought this was interesting. I didn't realize this till I started working on the parallels. We never have any mention of Samson going to the tabernacle, going to Shiloh, going to Bethel. Mm-hmm. He, he never goes to the sacred spaces that were operating in his time in life. Whereas Jesus, we have him going to the temple over and over again. Mm-hmm. We have him observing the feast. There's no mention of Samson observing any of the feast. And we don't have him offering any kind of sacrifice, which would have been appropriate for an Israelite in that day. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is very much observing the requirements of the Torah for being a proper Jew. Mm-hmm. But Samson is, like I said, there's no mention. Right. It's like they're completely forgotten. One thing I want to kind of point out, and this is not on topic mm-hmm. at all, but it is, okay. it is, but it isn't. Um, the first you mentioned, you know, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature in favor with God and man. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, this is, to me, I think it's funny. We often forget that last line on there. <laughs> right. Um, of course. Okay. So first off. Uh, we have too many people uh, uh, skipping the first one, growing in <laughs> wisdom. You know, we're supposed to imitate Christ. So, right. You know, we, we should grow in wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, but we tend to, there, there is a, a certain uh, viewpoint in Christianity. I think we mentioned it before, but just this idea of these Christians who think 
well, the gospel is supposed to be offensive. So if what we're doing is offensive, then it must be the gospel and claim that they're imitating Christ. Well, you know, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with mm-hmm. God and man. Mm-hmm. That, you know, we're we're not, you know, we're not supposed to just be offensive for the sake of being, being offensive. offensive. And being offensive is not our litmus for the gospel. So not to make this about me, uh, but I was just thinking about that uh, when you were saying that how many friends I have who totally disagree with what I believe, uh, right. who are either atheist, agnostic, who think that Christianity is downright toxic um, and often say some really harsh things, sometimes some really true things uh, as far as critiquing the way Christians are. But we're still friends. Mm-hmm. They still trust me with their life. Mm-hmm. My, my belief is, is offensive, but my person is not. Sure. Uh, and I mean, that's a, it's a slight distinction. Um, I, I, don't, I, I have favor with these people because I'm not compromising what I'm believing, but at the same time, I can still show love to them mm-hmm. and try to be as supportive in the things I can support as, as possible. And, you know, and when, when they do offer a valid critique against Christianity and Christians in general, I'm going to be the first person to affirm it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we need to be willing to accept correction. So mm-hmm. if somebody even outside the church says, hey, you know, you, you Christians did this, don't deny it if it happened. I mean, there's major sex scandals in, online right now with Christian leaders, which is horrible. Mm-hmm. And we need to stop acting like it ha- it's not happening. And we need to own the fact that it's happening. And you know what? That allows my non-believing friends to have some respect for me because I'm not compromising my faith so that I can fit in. Right. But I'm also not just being mean to them because I want to be offensive for the sake of the gospel. Right. It's finding that balance. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, a little rabbit trail there. <laughs> right? But every time I hear that verse, I just think, man, how many Christians are not growing in wisdom, stature, I, I don't know if you're talking physical stature. You, that's kind of you. Well, it's a given with Samson on, almost. <laughs> on a, kind of limited on physical stature, how much you can do with that. But, you know, and then it, it's like in favor with God and man. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're supposed to well, go out and build relationships. And, and that stature really isn't speaking of physical stature. It, it's, it's speaking of the fact that Christ was able to be trusted and he, he, he gained respect of people mm-hmm. around him. That's what it's talking about, that, that he... He lived such a life that people respected him. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be the kind of people who live with enough integrity. We can be respected. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like the verse of, uh, you know, don't swear anything. Let your yes be Mm -hmm. your yes and your no be your no. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and this is another random aside story. (laughs) Uh, There was, I actually worked with a guy who worked for a collections agency and he he, they had to be specific because they're dealing with financial stuff. So mm-hmm. in the wording and, and how they, they put things, they had to be very careful. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they had to do was if a, if a customer said, um, we, we can get it, he's like, okay, we are going to need you to guarantee us you'll have the money at such and such date. Can you guarantee that? Or can you, we need you right. to promise that. And she's like, well, I can't do that because the Bible says not to promise anything. And, and he, he goes, this is where it kind of helped with my, my background because <laughs> he was a seminary student. And he goes, uh, ma'am, not to get too much into, uh, into religion here because this is my job, but, um, that verse is actually referring to, you need to live your life with integrity mm-hmm. and taking care of your things so that people can trust you without you having to swear right. oaths in order to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's, he said, this is uh, kind of counter to the fact that you are in a, col- being called <laughs> by a collection agency. Right. And 
So, um, and, and again, you know, and I realize sometimes people have hard times, but in order, yeah, not I'm just bashing. saying she, yeah, I'm not saying, you know, I don't know her full circumstance, mm -hmm. but, um, just the fact that she was trying to get out of like a legal loophole with right. the misunderstanding of misappre uh, misapprehension of what the Bible was saying. Don't use the Bible to, to try to get out of legal problems. Just don't, just don't. And so most I mean, of the time, if you follow the Bible's prescriptions, you aren't going to have to worry about legal problems anyway. Yeah. Uh, against these, there are no law. Um, I think that's written somewhere in there. Yeah. Unless but... <laughs> you're in one of the countries that, you know, Christianity is illegal, then. Yeah. And America's not it. Just right. realize that. So, okay. But back to Samson. Uh, both of them are driven. Uh, that's Judges 13.25 and Mark 1.11. They're driven by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so we have that parallel uh, language there. Did we ever clear up, was it the Holy Spirit who drove him to the Philistine ladies or not? Or was well, it just... Well, that's the... Because I know we talked about it being at the end of the chap this chapter mm -hmm. or at the beginning of the other. We weren't... Yeah, I don't... And there's, I don't think we're going to get a good answer to that. I, I don't think we're, we're going to be able to say absolutely now, unless we want to bring in our own theology and apply it to that, because the question is... Does God drive people to sin in order to glorify him? Right. And that's, that's what it really comes down to. Well, because when I was, you know, you're talking about being driven, I'm like, well, if you want to have a contrast there, you have Jesus driven to the wilderness mm -hmm. and Samson driven to the party. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's pretty much it. And, and the thing is, in both scenarios, they're, they're driven to confront their enemy. The Philistines are Samson's enemy. Jesus confronts Satan. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, we, we definitely, I think if we want to bring, you know, trying to look at this in parallel, God could have been driving him to the Philistines, but was he supposed to marry one of them or was he supposed so to do something? Was he supposed to confront the enemy instead of <laughs> resist temptation? If we're putting this into the, the um, paradigm of Jesus story, mm -hmm. then he should have withstood trans uh, temptation because even, um, the, the accounts include the sight language. Right. Because Jesus is shown the kingdoms of the world. That's Matthew 4, 8 and Luke 4, 5. Mm -hmm. And where Samson sees and he says, I want it, Jesus sees and says, you know, it's not time yet. Well, and, he, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus is like, that's, yeah, I want my father's will versus I want what's right there. Yeah, so. exactly. And, and so we're people who are trying to make Samson be this, this prototype of Christ and so positive. They're like, oh, well, see, Samson and Jesus both have a Gentile bride. And now, <laughs> right? That's kind of stretching. Well, you know, Samson <laughs> had been ordered not to, you know, the whole nation had been ordered, don't intermarry with the Philistines. Sure. And Jesus' whole purpose in returning and doing what he did in his lifetime was so that, yes, the whole world could be restored to God. This was part of God's prophecy. Mm -hmm. But if you'll notice, when we've pointed this out so many times, that but when... Samson takes a Philistine bride for his own selfish purposes. Exactly. It's not about restoration. Precisely. I mean, he doesn't care about her. Look at the language he uses towards her. Mm -hmm. And this is not the language Christ uses about his church. And the, the other thing, too, is... When there were outsiders who were married into the nation of Israel who were celebrated, they converted. They did become a part of the nation. Their heart was for the God of Israel. Right. And even today, if you're going to be part of Christ's bride, his Gentile bride, 
your heart has to be for the God of Israel. Mm -hmm. And so we can see that similarity. Samson didn't care. Right. He, he just wanted what was his. And well, he wanted more than what was his. Uh, right. I mean, he, 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 he was always, I mean, the whole story is driven by what Samson wants. Yeah. And that's where we talked about, you know, did the parents know, did they tell him he was special? And I would think probably so. And just mm -hmm. gave him everything he wanted because mm -hmm. they thought he was going to be the deliverer. Yeah. Yeah. And, I'll, and again, I think some of that also goes back to mama trying to be too protective. So, I mean, that's, that falls into line. Now, people who are really trying to, to support this bridegroom theme, you're going to love this. So they claim that the bride, Samson's bride, telling the secret to the Philistine men is parallel to sharing the gospel. <laughs> and it, yeah. Uh, my, why does it hurt? Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. And giving the 30 young men the clothes, you know, the clothes that he'd taken from the 30 guys he, he murdered killed, yeah. is a picture of salvation and getting the new clothes and being clothed in salvation. So yeah, this is how far I, I, and I read several articles that presented this viewpoint. This isn't even, I don't, I, I mean, maybe mm -hmm. I'm just not a smart scholar, but that doesn't even sound feasible uh, yeah. like to make that leap. This is what happens when you have a Google search instead of a theology degree. Um, okay, not to be too condescending, guys, there is something really different about devoting two to five to seven years studying scripture versus spending five minutes Googling handy little facts and tidbits. Yeah. There, there's just a difference. That's Do so... you have to have a degree to understand the Bible? Absolutely not. But when you do that, when somebody does that, the, the effort and intent is really to understand, not to prove a point. Sure. And so, and if, you know, if you're trying to prove a point, I, I really hope you aren't spending that much time on it. But anyway, that's, <laughs> this is, but this is what we're seeing is that this outpouring of biblical commentary on the internet that has no basis in scholarship. And it is just, how do I promote my agenda? And that's, yeah, that's problematic to say the least. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, what other offensive ideas do you have over there? Oh, I've got lots of them. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Uh, so, oh, that's how they know it's the gospel because it's, it's offensive. offensive. There you go. <laughs> so Samson's riddles are compared to Jesus' parables. Okay. I can kind of go there a, a little bit. Um you know, Samson's riddle needs to be explained. If you're ever going to understand it, Jesus does explain the parables to his disciples. Uh, and they're kind of shown as being unknowable to outsiders, people who aren't led by the Holy Spirit. But Samson had to beg, Samson's wife had to beg with tears to get the answer out of Samson for so many days. And where Christ gives the answer to the disciples when they ask. Well, I mean, I guess if you're one of those people who insists they want to know Jesus better, but not actually open the Bible, then yes, begging for greater revelation with tears is going to be normal for them. So that, that, that might be how they relate to Jesus. Could be. Um, I'm showing some bias, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Just a little but... bit. But, you know, I think it's, I think it's a proper bias. And so, uh... and of course, you know, Samson's riddle being about the lion and the honey, well, sweetness from death. I mean, obviously we have sweetness from Christ's death, but that's still... Do they have a Lion of Judah parallel in there too? Uh, we're going to get to that. Okay. So, yeah. So, 
Okay, Samson leaving. I already the... don't like this episode. We, I feel like we need to keep going. I, I, yeah, I well, and this is, <laughs> I was just flabbergasted. And like I said, not just the fact that there was like a random article out there that said this. But there were several articles. Yes, yes. And I inflicted myself with these articles for you. <laughs> so, um, but Samson leaving the wedding is seen as um, a picture of Christ's descent into heaven. And while we wait his return, uh, the problem is <laughs> when he comes back, he's denied his bride, right? No, well, no, oh, no, you're gonna love this. <laughs> okay, let me work through this in order so I don't lose it. Okay, okay, so Samson storms Please out. Please tell me how they reconcile <laughs> this. Go ahead. So Samson storms out of the wedding. Okay, yeah, he storms out in anger. Christ is saddened to leave, but knows that it's necessary. Samson gives absolutely no indication of what's going on. The father doesn't even know if he's coming back. And Jesus promises to return for us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we've got this, this problem there. Uh, both of them are going to return at harvest time. Okay, fine. I can go there. Jesus is going to return at a time for harvest. But uh, Samson returns to his Dude. wife at harvest time. Uh -huh. Now, the wife is given to his companion. And Christ left the church to the care of the Holy Spirit. This is what happens when you don't know that that companion was an enemy. The companion is a security detail. The companion was a was threat. Was a hired... Yes. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. And we have to completely forget that Samson seeks retribution for the fact that his wife was given to another man. So is Jesus going to declare war on, on the, the Holy, Holy Spirit? Spirit? Yeah, that yeah. doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, you know, Jesus and the Holy Spirit it, operate in perfect unity. Yeah, and I realize that not every <laughs> single type has to line up exactly. You know, we can have some variance in the story, but we're throwing things together that are just, I mean, they're throwing things together yeah, that right. are just a little bit out there. Um, yeah. Yeah, and because I'm not saying there's not parallels. There are definitely parallels. I mean, okay, so the next big parallel is Samson and Jesus are both betrayed by their countrymen. So the tribe of Judah, the men come out to give Samson over to the Philistines. Judas and the, you know, the um, Sanhedrin take Jesus to the Roman yeah, officials. I mean, and I, and that, mm -hmm. that sounds reasonable. Um, I do think it's an interesting contrast, though, and I think I mentioned this to you the other day, that that whenever Samson goes to upset everyone. They're like, "No, don't you know they rule over us?" And then, when some, mm -hmm. then the the Jews are in Jesus' day are like, "No, no one's ever ruled over us." Like, <laughs> like while they're under occupation, right? <laughs> There's Roman soldiers in the street. Yeah, on <laughs> on just about every corner. Yeah, yeah. I, I it it's it's like wait a minute. We can see the connections here, and that's that's good. We want to see the connections. But I, I and. I'm going to throw this out there because I know this is probably where we're going, but I just need to make sure that everyone knows we're on this course. We're throwing out the connections to see the contrast. Yes. That it's not. Yes. And we're not trying to equate Samson with Jesus. Or we shouldn't be. We, we shouldn't be trying to. Right. Nobody should be trying to. So um, the resurrection, the, the resurrection picture in uh, Samson's life is seen to be. Um, whenever he's turned over to the Philistines, he's bound in the ropes and then the ropes fall off. And I'm like, 
seriously? I mean, this this really has more in common. If you're trying to build these parallels, it's more in common with Luke 4.30, where Jesus is gaining away from the angry crowd and he just disappears. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, it has, I, I don't see a resurrection connection there. By their own standard and the way they were taking apart these uh, passages. I, then, I don't, I, I never, I never saw any kind of connection there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. When, when you start doing hermeneutics and exegesis, you, you set these standards in place and you have to play by the, your rules all the way through the game. Mm-hmm. It, once well, you, you should. Yeah. Once you start violating the system that you're, or the rubric that you're working the information through in order to make it support your thesis, this is telling you your thesis is wrong or your rubric's flawed. So you can't, and you, doing that, it's just, it's intellectually dishonest. Yeah. There's no integrity. And so when you've got people who are tra- preaching the Bible, and they're contradicting themselves. And I just listened to a major preacher just do that this past week, <laughs> contradicted himself before millions. And the Bible. And the Bible. In order to prove a point, that tells me I can't trust him with anything. I can't trust him with anything and any of the conclusions he draws, because evidently the conclusion is more important than the evidence that supports it. Right. And that's not. Or the evidence right. that actually contradicts it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Okay. Well, We'll move so, on from that. Okay. Yeah. Deep breath. Um, okay. So then we've got the water from the rock. After defeating the Philistines, and we remember the story, uh, the, God sends the, the water from the rock. Uh, Samson cries out uh, for the water, and God sends it through the seam in the rock. Okay. This obviously has ties to the event in Horeb um, in yeah. Exodus. Okay, yeah, I'm thinking 17. of Moses. I'm not thinking of Jesus. Okay. The so, reason why you should think of Jesus, and, and this they are correct. Okay. In 1 Corinthians 10, 4, Paul specifically says Jesus is the rock. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I so follow that now. He, he identifies Jesus as the rock from Exodus. Now, here's the problem. 1 Corinthians 10, 5 says, Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. <laughs> so Samson, <laughs> Samson fits verse 5 way more than he fits verse 4. And that's, that's the problem. We can't, we can't say, oh, look, here's this connection. And you'll find that a lot of times with people trying to make these sorts of connections, mm-hmm. where they'll find like a buzzword. Uh, and this is the problem with word studies, by the way. They'll find a single word and go, oh, well, these must be interconnected, but they don't follow it out to the end conclusion. Right. They just stop as soon as they go get that warm, fuzzy feeling. Um, nine times out of 10, after you get that warm, fuzzy feeling, I know I get it when I'm studying something and I, I think, oh, oh, I found I found this great little connection. And then I keep going. I'm like, I can't teach that because it's incomplete. I don't have enough evidence to support it mm-hmm. or it's wrong. Yeah. And so warm fuzzies don't mean anything. Okay, visiting the prostitute. Well, Jesus <laughs> did interact with prostitutes. Yes, yes. But Je- for different purposes. Well, and here's the main difference. Samson goes to the prostitute. The prostitute comes to Jesus. I didn't think that was the main difference, but I can kind of see how your starting, well, <laughs> starting out point kind of sets the trajectory. Right. I would have assumed the main difference would have been a little different. But. Yeah, well, and that's exactly. I mean, Samson does engage her in her trade for, by all appearances. Right. I mean, why is he there till mid? He gets up at midnight. Yeah. Uh, where do you think he's getting up from? 
he he's getting up from her bed. Um, but Jesus offers the, the prostitute forgiveness, not money. Mm-hmm. There's another major difference. He, he's not offering her wealth. He's offering her spiritual wealth. Mm-hmm. Samson, you know, I started to say something and realized where I was going to go. So we're just going to stop there. But Samson obviously was not there for her spiritual well-being. I doubt I mean, it. It's just, I don't think so. Well, I, if, if we are following the, the idea that, you know, she might have been a temple, a temple prostitute, he was there for to spiritual yeah. matters of sorts, according yeah. to other deities. So, <laughs> which would make uh, it way which, out of... Yeah. And that's the problem. And when you really look at this, none of it really fits. Yeah, you've got similar wording, you've got some similar language, but the, the, the consequences and how it plays out are completely different. Mm-hmm. And so we can't sanitize these and go, oh, look, he was this great guy. Right. You know, we, we just can't. The next parallel that they, they derive from all this, the gates of Gaza and the gates of hell. Okay. So, you know, Samson rips the gates off the city when he gets up and leaves the prostitute. And, you know, the thing is, Samson takes those and puts them on the hill opposite of, of Hebron. And they are a, a trophy. Look at me. Look at what I can do. Look at what. And of course, you know, we talked about um, Jesus is going, there's going to be a celebration and, mm-hmm. and evidence of his victory. Um, but this is all about Samson, where Jesus when he talks about the gates of hell, he's like, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against his church. Right. It, 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 he's, it's more Jesus saying, you're going to be defended, not I'm going to provoke you with this, not I'm going to threaten you with these gates, mm-hmm. that, that you are actually more powerful than these gates. And we're invited to share in Jesus' victory. Samson never invites anyone to share in his victory. Yeah, well, and that, and again, that's the going in, yeah, going in and defeating things, to, like taking the land similar to the... Israelites mm-hmm. versus just taking down gates just as a show of power. Yeah, because we, we talked about how the story was so full of plot holes and there's so many unanswered questions. And it really, Samson, when he does this, it's a total overreaction. But everything Samson does is an overreaction. Where when you look at Jesus' life, Jesus' life was very, um, there's balance, there was a retrospective quality to, I mean, he introspective quality to the, the things he did, even when he goes to the temple and he flips tables over and throws out the money changers, mm-hmm. that was planned. Mm-hmm. You couldn't carry a whip into the temple. He actually took the leather and braided the whip in the temple. And I right. believe John actually points that out, that he braids the whip. And so Jesus did things for a specific reason. Samson does stuff because he's mad. Right. I mean, there's just, you you can't get around that. And so the one time Jesus is mad, even then he doesn't lose his head. Right. So now, of course, we have Delilah and temptation. Uh, Delilah tempts Samson mm-hmm. to betray the source of his strength. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. Okay, we can go there. But the temptation, Samson never resisted. Jesus always resisted, and he resisted by going back to the Torah, by going back and quoting most often out of Deuteronomy. I can't remember if all the times are from Deuteronomy or just most of them. Right. But he, he appeals to the word of God. Mm-hmm. Samson 
he doesn't care. I mean, there's just there's no mention of law from Samson, which I mean, which kind of makes you think that, um, you know, you talked about the Nazarite stuff and how the the rabbis didn't like the Nazarites because by taking on those three laws and this this Mm -hmm. vow, it was actually saying they could be free of the other laws. So if if he's like, well, I'm I'm a Nazarite, I don't have to like he may not have even studied Torah. Right. Um, because I, he didn't have to, he didn't have to worry about it. And that, that is a possibility. And I, I'm kind of wondering, you know, how far does that go? Uh, there's a couple of good books about the Nazarite vow that are out there that I just didn't have time to get through. Sure. Um, I believe it's Epstein who, who wrote one and no, not the Epstein who didn't kill himself, but, uh, different, different Epstein. Yeah. And so eventually I want to get that and maybe we'll add that in at a future date for a supplemental, you know, episode with yeah. what the Nazarite vow looks like. No, that could be interesting. But yeah, I mean, I, it's kind of a short uh, section of the Bible. That, Number so, six. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all the information we have to go on. And like we pointed out before, there's no, um, there's no description of what you should do during that time. There's lots to talk about what you shouldn't do, but there's no definitive guideline in, in number six that says this is, what to do during these moments of your life. Sure. So that leaves a lot of questions and a lot of debate and everything else we're having to extrapolate from other, um, other passages in the Bible. So um, with, with both Samson and Jesus, we're seeing death as a victory. Mm -hmm. Now um, the, the writer in, in judges, and I think I actually wound up skipping over this in the last episode it says that Samson killed more men in his death than he did in his life. Yeah. And so Jesus, his, his death was never about killing people. Right. His death was about overcoming the spiritual forces at work, the evil mm-hmm. forces at work. Um, Jesus actually secures human life through his death instead of taking it. Right. Well, and, and my thing is, I'm like, if you're going to, if you're going to put that parallel, if you're going to try to do that parallel, the, the one that makes sense actually is not, uh, him dying in the temple. The one that mm-hmm. makes sense is him losing his strength. If that's where you're going to be your crucifixion, crucifixion and resurrection, mm-hmm. uh, parallels. Right. Um, but that doesn't even work out um, <laughs> because, because I mean, if you have the, the, you know, the Lord left him and then my God, my God, why have you forsaken mm-hmm. me? Um, and then, but cause then you have that, uh, and I realize I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate, right, here, right. but you have, after he's taken, it says he ruled in Israel or it was like, you know, it was mm-hmm. actually, it's before that story actually, where it says he, he judged in Israel after. for 20 years. Yeah. So I would consider that to be like the, if you're going to try to put a death and resurrection, because you have that literary device that's supposed to mm-hmm. note the end of a judge's story right, right there. Yeah. And so. It, 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 everything. And again, it's, it's, it's almost parallel, but it's not, it actually, it's parallel, but in the opposite direction. It's, it's all opposites. It is, it is. And, and to try to make these fit in a way that's positive, it is to require us to just completely overlook everything that's happening. And that's not, that's not how this works. And now, um, you know, in the death, we even have that. And I, I pointed this out last episode. You know, he dies to get vengeance for the loss of his eyes. Jesus dies 
saying, Father, forgive them. I, mm-hmm. They don't know what they do. I mean, there's no vengeance in what Jesus is doing. Right. Uh, not when it comes to people. Right. Uh, when, not when it comes to humanity. It, Jesus' heart is for the human beings. Uh, Samson is empowered by the Spirit to kill 3,000 Philistines. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go to Acts 2.41, this is Pentecost. This is Peter preaching after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And 3,000 people are baptized that day. Mm-hmm. So in Jesus' death, not only do we have people not being killed, we have people called into the true life, right. the ultimate life. And so I'm like, the, the opposite, the opposite, it's always an opposite. And that is the important thing about, about retailings, uh, retellings, not tailings, that would be funny. Uh, but anyway, retellings. <laughs> it's not fun. I went to the animal analogy. Uh, you get a dog tail and a cat, and okay, that's how my brain works. So anyway, but some retellings um, they affirm the foundational story. And in this case, if we were looking at these at, at re- as a retelling, which I think w- there are enough connections that we do need to look at this as a retelling, but as a subversive retelling, as a re- su- yes, completely as a subversive retelling, because. The Samson would be the foundational story. Christ would be the retelling. Well, I mean, and, it, and it's it only makes sense too, with because that's that's what the gospel is anyway. It's yeah. turning everything around. Yeah, exactly. And you know, Samson he he has a supernatural birth. He's this quasi divine guy, and he he's supposed to be a hero, but he never is. Right. Uh, he he's given every opportunity to be one. Yeah, and he, even his own people consider him a troublemaker. Yeah, they don't want anything to do with him. I mean, now there's another parallel, yeah. you know, if you want to, Jesus is, um, is definitely, uh, considered to be a troublemaker by some of his fellow Jews and they don't want anything to do with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is also interesting too. They're both betrayed for silver that San, uh, Delilah gets paid with silver, the mm-hmm. 1100 pieces. And then of course, Judas, uh, with his silver. So, um, and the silver comes from the Philistine Lords and this is from, and Jesus the silver comes from the uh, heads of the, te- heads temple. Of the temple. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. But, you know, Jesus spends his entire life in submission to God. I think that's the big point that we have to hang on to. He, he's constantly trying to, not trying, he, he's doing it. Uh, unlike us, he, he actually is capable of doing it. <laughs> right. Um, he's glorifying God. He's doing without, I mean, he doesn't have a home. He, he's got a stone for a pillow. He, he, nothing in his life is about him seeking something for himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he does get something for, for himself, it's because somebody else brings it to him. It's like, it's a gift. It's an offering. It, it's someone saying, I recognize your position and your power and your love and I want to respond and here's a tangible way I can, I can respond. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's missing from Samson's life. Right. I mean, even his own wife doesn't really seem to be that fond of him. Um, Well, I mean, (laughs) it seems to be kind of mutual. They don't really care that much about each other anyway. Yeah. They, there, there's definitely a lot of uh, tension there. And you know, Samson's story, I, I think what we're supposed to pull out of it, I think that the big lesson in it is how you destroy yourself when you reject your identity, mm-hmm. when, when you try to run from your purpose in life. You know, God's still going to be able to use it for his glory, 
I, I, I believe that because God redeems all things that we present to him. But Samson, he dies almost, you know, a, this very sad, horrible death mm-hmm. because he, he can't find that vision for his future. And, and Jesus, on the other hand, he's always pointing towards the future. Everything that he's talking about with his disciples is, you know, I, I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, you know, in my house, in my father's house, there are many mansions. I, it's all about pointing to the future so that we can join with him in that future. And, you know, I, I pointed out several times too with Samson, he never raises an army. Jesus is always calling people to come follow mm-hmm. me, you know, join with what I'm doing, be a part of this. And I'm not saying an army as in guns and swords or but, knives. But the church. But yeah, the spiritual army, the ones who stands against, against the forces of darkness and says, our God's greater. Yeah. And we're going to live in such a way that you can't miss the fact that our God's greater. Mm-hmm. Samson, the only reason why God answered his prayer in the temple of Dagon was so that the people wouldn't think for one second that Dagon was somehow greater than Yahweh. Yeah. Now, I will say that I, I, can, I can see a parallel in the, where he's, when you talk about uh, seeming like God has been humiliated. Right. In the crucifixion. Absolutely. You have that. Mm-hmm. But again, like we already talked about how the opposites in that apply, how Jesus was doing it with with building up his church in mm-hmm. mind and and redeeming humanity and and Philist and Philistine. Samson Who might as well have been a Philistine. Yeah, and well Samson wanted vengeance on the Philistine for at least one of his eyes. Yeah. I mean that that's where Christ was willing to say, My church is worth my life. Mm-hmm. Samson was saying, My eyes are worth more than the lives of the Philistines. Precisely. Yeah. And if you don't realize how opposite and, and how opposing, not just opposite, but opposing those two views are, mm-hmm. I mean, to, to say that I'm willingly going to do everything in my power so that you can live mm-hmm. is totally different than I'm going to kill everyone because they did me wrong. I, and that's mm-hmm. that's the point. Well, and and, and it's even uh, counter. It it runs directly counter to the Torah mm-hmm. because the Torah says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And again, that's not a prescription. That's a limitation. That's right. saying you can't take any more than what's given. You can't you can't kill someone because they've because they accidentally took one of your slaves' eyes out. So you so, mean... So I'm saying... So I'm sure Samson is running 100% counter to, to God's law. Yeah, because, okay, they killed his wife and his father-in-law. You don't kill everyone you can get your hands on. Mm-hmm. That, that's not the way a Jewish person act. It's, it's completely how a Philistine would act. Mm-hmm. It was completely how a Canaanite would act, but had nothing to do with... God's law, which, by the way, an interesting point, that eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. There is no record that that was ever enacted. There's, what, uh, go ahead. Okay, what, what, as far as like actually taking an eye or taking a tooth, what happened was the Pharisees, or the, not the Pharisees, but the, the judges of Israel would get together and they would decide how much that was worth. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there would be a financial settlement. How very modern and progressive of them. 
And this is actually where we get a lot of our ideas about how to do financial compensation for personal injury. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, it doesn't make sense to to just hurt someone to hurt someone, especially if it's accidental. Right. Now, if we're talking wartime, now we got a totally different set of standards, but we still practice that today. Mm -hmm. This is not a barbaric law. I don't care how many times people try to tell you, oh, well, you know, your God is horribly vindictive and revenge is what he's all about because eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. No, this was grace. This was mercy. Well, yeah. And and, well, like I mentioned earlier, it's also a limitation Mm -hmm. um, because in that day it was common that if you if you took the, the, the eye or the hand of somebody's slave or you if you hit someone's slave and it damaged their eye or knocked their tooth out, then by rights. In, in a lot of cultures, you could kill that person who right. hurt your slave. Yeah, especially and, if they're a lower social status than you. Yeah, and Yahweh is saying, hey, guys, don't kill somebody over a, what's not life-threatening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you, you don't, don't, don't take unreasonable vengeance on your neighbor. Right, and, and that's the thing. Samson is all about the unreasonable vengeance, and Jesus is about the unreasonable grace. Mm-hmm. I mean, that if you want to just boil it down to the simplest terms, but, you know, as we're reading Samson, one of the things we really need to bear in mind, this is in the book of Judges. Mm-hmm. The, this book has been designed to show us how the judges get worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse and how the people get worse and worse and worse. It, we aren't supposed to have any hope for Israel by the time we get to this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then as if that's not enough. The, the author's going to give us two more stories going forward to conclude it. They're, they're considered epilogues. Yeah. Uh, and just to show you, hey, this is how horrible the nation has been. Well, <laughs> well and with, with Samson, with his story, before we get into the epilogues, I don't yeah, think no, we're not going to get no, into this no, episode. No, I just, wanted, really. I just wanted to show how this is part of the construction. The construction of the book itself mm-hmm. says this is how you're supposed to read it. Well, and it, it slowly escalates i mean Mm -hmm. it really does and and by this time you've got god saying this person like you know the judges at the beginning not much said about them things are mostly okay yeah but things get worse and worse and worse and god is basically got this crescendo of i'm going to i'm literally going to give somebody superpowers precisely i'm going to Give someone superpowers and they're still going to screw it up. I'm going to give them superpowers. I'm going to give them a mother who is theologically astute, somebody who knows what she's supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give them, you know, the, the wealth and the ability to make sure that the Nazarite vow can be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, if you're, you can't have grapes, which included the oils, the skins, the vinegars, mm-hmm. you've got to have replacements for all that when that's par- the main part of your diet, mm-hmm. you know, or a big part of your diet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is not, this is not somebody who's disadvantaged. I mean, well, we well, can kind of. And then I say, and then depending on how you read it, sorry, depending mm-hmm. on how you read it, he's even saying, and I'm only going to give you three things you have to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. This is all you got to do to get right. Yeah. And well, and then contrast that with Jephthah, who came right before, mm-hmm. who had the um, prostitute mom. Mm-hmm. And you, so you kind of, it's like, okay, well, you know, yeah, he messed it up, but he didn't have much of a start out in life. He, he did, we, we can see reasons for him to, mm-hmm. to mess it up. Now, God says, okay, but that's still not an excuse. And I'm going to show you 
why it's not an excuse. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I, we, we have to keep in mind with this is this is a prophetic book. We haven't said that in a couple episodes. Judges is a prophetic book. It's written somewhere around the time of King Manasseh. And that the, the purpose in writing that book is to warn the people, if you're going to act like you don't have a king, you're not going to have a king. Mm-hmm. And really, it's not the king's place to tell you as a people how to act, because even when there wasn't a king, the people all did what was right in their own eyes. Mm-hmm. You, you were fully capable of behaving however you want to act, even if you don't have a king. Mm-hmm. And so that's a huge reminder. And because, I mean, that's, that's the problem with all of this is the people aren't remembering they do have a king. Right. It, the king is God. Mm-hmm. And so even when we have literal people sitting on a throne, the king of Israel is still God. Sure. And so, you know, Samson, he, he, he's, he's the worst of all the prophets. And it is by design. And it's to remind us that this is, this is just how bad things have gotten mm-hmm. in all of Israel. And it's to remind the people for whom the book was originally written, because the Bible's written to us, not for us, mm-hmm. <laughs> or written for us, not to us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so the people they originally written, it was written with the intent to be a warning to them. And you don't make a warning by making, oh, look, they, they were messing up and everything's fine. I know. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it, it really, yeah. And I just, I keep thinking about how we were taught these stories growing up and how, how we weren't taught most of them. Right. But that, oh, you see, you see God, God raised up these great and wonderful people and they did great mm-hmm. and wonderful things. Mm-hmm. That's, you, you can summarize most of my, <laughs> most of my Sunday school education, as much as I love the people I went to church with, yeah. um, you know, they weren't Bible scholars, but you can really sum up a lot of the Bible story conclusions with God. God raised up great and wonderful people. They did great and wonderful things. Not a one of them was bad. Yeah. Except for they might have done a couple little things. That's just to show you they aren't perfect. Yeah. 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 And and well, and okay, so the sad part about that is throughout most of our church going uh, time, the the Sunday school teachers actually had literature that was written by the denomination. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so... This, if this is what a denomination is disseminating, not just to a single church, but throughout the nation and mm-hmm. maybe throughout the world, I don't know how far their, uh, their reach was. It, it was. I mean, it was through the SBC. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so. Ran I, pretty far. And this is why we have people who can't read their Bible today. I mean, this is the reason why we got people who said, oh, you know, I grew up and tried to read the Old Testament and now I'm not a Christian anymore. Mm-hmm, I can't mm-hmm. be a Christian anymore. Well, and uh, yeah, because I mean, we had a, a friend uh, message a group, uh, one of the or posted in one of the face group, face mm-hmm. group books, Facebook <laughs> groups that we're part of, and asked about, um, asked that question. What do you say to someone who says, "I, I read the Old Testament and it made me lose my faith," mm-hmm. and you know, I, I, you you go, well, if you're, what did you think your faith was about? Right, and. And maybe you should have lost that faith. Well, maybe, because if, if you just believe that everything is, is I know we use puppies and rainbows or whatever, <laughs> whatever you would think of is Butterflies the and gumdrops. health, wealth, and, and a big car gospel. Private jet. Private jet even. Yeah. If you think that that's the, the end all be all that, you know, Jesus just wants you to be happy mm-hmm. and that the world's a wonderful place all the time. 
then yeah, when you read the Old Testament, a faith like that's going to get destroyed in a second. Oh, oh yeah. And um, that's why we need to be making sure people understand what the Bible is about, mm-hmm. that it's not just about uh, feeling good. Well, and the other thing that happens, and I'm, I'm in a different Facebook group, and I was seeing how many people who now rail against valuing the Bible too highly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, oh, well, yeah, this is our our book of faith, and this is the revelation of God to us, but we don't really take it seriously because it's flawed, because... It, now, uh, I don't know if we actually want to mention this <laughs> right now, but, you know, as far as, like, inerrancy, as far as, like, every copy of the Bible ever produced was... Was exactly uh, the same. Uh, okay, that's not true. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And okay. And okay. So to, I'm gonna yeah go off on my little tangent here. I I had I didn't know we were gonna talk about this, but let's go. I didn't either. Um, but <laughs> but no, I, you know, they didn't have Xerox. They didn't right. have, uh, you know, they didn't have computers that could, could could precisely replicate things. Right. And so there's and when people bring up the fact that there are differences in the ancient documents, and I think we've touched on this, mm-hmm. a lot of Christians don't realize this. They have this X-Files, as right. Dr. Heiser <laughs> likes to refer to it, this X-Files view of, of uh, inspiration that people just go into automatic writing mode mm-hmm. and they wake up and they go, oh, what did God send me today? Right. <laughs> um, but that's not how the Bible no. was written. And the, 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 so we need to not be shocked when we hear that there are differences mm-hmm. in ancient manuscripts. There's an entire field of study yes. called textual criticism mm-hmm. that what they do, they don't just sit around and knit. They, they don't just sit and gripe about the text, but they, they sit do down nitpick. and compare <laughs> the different manuscripts and they try to find the oldest, uh-huh. the manu- most, reliable. most reliable source and they try to put it all together. This is this should not be news to us mm-hmm. that there are differences. So when we yeah. talk about inerrancy, it's actually a misnomer. We should be talking about infallibility mm-hmm. in in matters in of faith matters and practice. Matters of faith and practice, and and yeah. So anyway, it, it, sorry, <laughs> right? And, and, <laughs> I kind of <laughs> took it away there, but that's that's but no, one of my it, pet peeves is is whenever people number one whenever people talk about this stuff as though we should be shocked about it. And then the other side of it is when we're shocked about it. Yeah. Like we, we should be teaching this stuff from a very young age right. that it's not, uh, it, it's a supernatural book, but it's also a natural book. Well, and <laughs> what's really crazy about it is it, it's that, that combination of the supernatural and the natural and the way God still moves through the natural mm-hmm. to produce mm-hmm. something supernatural that's the that's the amazing part. That's the part that gets me excited because that means that God really does want to use humanity to help bring his plans and purposes into reality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and we can go back to Samson at this point because Samson is so deeply flawed. He's so messed up and he's got this little bitty tiny bit of faith that mm-hmm. God will honor a promise made specifically to him. Mm-hmm. And that was enough. Mm-hmm. That, w- that was enough to get him remembered as one of the great heroes of our faith in uh, Hebrews 11.32. Mm-hmm. And so if Samson can take this little bitty tiny bit of faith and still have his humanity still on display and God still honors him by remembering him, mm-hmm. that's hope. Yep. And the other thing I think we, we need to hang on to is, like you were saying, Walgo, we've got this quasi-divine guy 
who's supernatural, superhuman strength, he still wasn't enough. Mm. No one can save themselves. No one can save another person. It takes God embodied in Christ in order to bring salvation Mm -hmm. into the world. Nothing else is going to do it. And so if we're going to take something out of Samson's story, I think it's that, that Jesus is our only hope of redemption. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all this rest of the stuff, I mean, it's, we're supposed to not be looking for the similarities to celebrate Samson, but the contrast so we can celebrate Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not trying to be a big meanie over here going, oh, Samson's a horrible person. I mean, honestly, I probably have more in common with Samson than I do Christ. Yeah. But at the same time, don't get misled. Right. Don't, don't ever let somebody take the focus off of who Jesus was. And Samson should help us align our focus mm-hmm. so much better. Yep. So that's kind of what I had for, for this. Okay. So that's the Samson <laughs> recap and bonus material all in one. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> We, yeah. <laughs> we, we kind of took off on a lot of stuff there, but you but, know, hey, it's worth it and it's fun. This is what we do. So, um, well, everyone, we are going to start on the two, ep- it's like a two epilogue thing yes. going on. So we've got a couple of Levites and some dismemberment. <laughs> right. And, uh, then we'll be wrapping up with judges. Uh, buying so. a priest. Buying a priest. Yeah. yeah. So all this fun stuff, but, and we're actually going to, we're going to look at how those epilogues, uh, work as independent units, as they work together between the two of them okay, and how they work with the book of judges as a whole, and then how they work with first Samuel. So we got a lot of ground to cover, but it's all, it's all good stuff. Lots of, lots of great nerdy material, just like we like it. So anyway, (laughs) uh, thank you so much for joining us. If you like the episode, please hit like, please subscribe so that you can know when the next one's available. Mm -hmm. Um, for our YouTube crowd out there, I did recently have, uh, it's probably going to be a couple of weeks from now, uh, or a couple of weeks ago by the time this episode airs, I did have some issues with, they changed the way they did some stuff and I had an episode come out late. So I apologize for that. Mm-hmm. So that's why you need to subscribe. So if one is late, you'll know when it hits. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, share it with your friends um, or just share it in general. Let the general public take it in. Um <laughs> But that helps us out. If you want to be part of the conversation, uh, hit us up at ravencreeksc.com where you can find a companion post, some blog posts, uh, all of the show notes, of course, and our other shows, uh, The Commentarians with Joe Zaragoza and Change Change My My Mind Mind with Luke T. Harrington. Sorry, Luke, I almost (laughs) forgot the name of your show for a moment. I need to write this stuff down. Um, Anyway, in the meantime, uh, have a great time and uh, think about this stuff and hit us up if you have any questions about Judges. We are going to be doing a wrap-up episode of Judges um, the next time we get together. Mm-hmm. So if you have any questions about the book, um, please shoot them to us. Shoot them to us, yeah, so that we can get a, a head start on trying to dig some of that stuff out. Yeah. Um, and even if it's something we haven't covered yet, if you just have a question, maybe it'll get covered between now and the recap, and uh, we want to hear from you. So Exactly. Anyway, have a great time. Bye. You've been listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you've heard, please write us a review on iTunes or consider supporting us on patreon.com slash ravencreeksc. As always, thank you for listening and don't forget to join us next week.